excited to be in McMinnville tonight. I, I've never been here before, but I suppose we can go to heaven from this place. It's a beautiful city. We're glad to be here with you. Um, my wife and I are here with us, uh, with, with you all tonight. I'm excited that she's able to, to join me. Sometimes we travel and preach, and she's not always able to come. And uh, Tony and others that preach are familiar with that, but I'm excited that she's able uh, to be with us. Happy Father's Day. It's a great day where we honor uh, men who are not afraid to stand up, point, lead, and guide their families to Calvary. I'm reminded of a father that was uh, kind of followed by his son as they were leaving services. The little boy reached up and he shook the preacher's hand. The preacher noticed he had some paper in his hand. He said, uh, what is this? He noticed it was some money. He said, why, did, why are you giving me this? He said, my daddy said you was the poorest preacher he knew. So I wanted to, I wanted to help you out a little bit if I could. We appreciate the Lawrences. Uh, Bobby Liddell, whom you are familiar with, says, before you can be a good preacher, you must first be a good man. And a man doesn't stay at a place almost 30 years unless he's a good man. We appreciate him. Us younger fellows, we look up to him. We appreciate him. We respect him. And uh, he's a great encouragement to us. And uh, those preachers that have been there and done that, that have kind of towed the line and been in the trenches, we appreciate the work that they've done. And, and we would do our very best to continue uh, carrying on that work that they've put forth. Appreciate the invitation to be with you tonight. We have enjoyed some wonderful singing. In our Lord's Church, we sing some very beautiful songs in the Lord's Church. We're blessed to have those who write songs. W.D. Jeffcoat, Benny Davis, numerous others with whom I'm friends. We appreciate all those who through the years have partaken in leading us in these songs, in training men, in teaching music, and helping our young people to stand before a congregation of God's people and faithfully and ably leading us in singing. It's a very important part of our worship to God, but from a secular perspective, songs have always been important. You might think about a school's fight song, for instance. That's central to their athletic program. Each branch of our armed forces has a song. Nations have their anthems. And, of course, our alma mater, our school, the Memphis School of Preaching, in fact, has a song. However, from a spiritual perspective, songs have the ability to teach. They have the ability to comfort. They have the ability to encourage, to console, to motivate, to reprove, to admonish, to inspire. Paul and Silas, they found themselves in prison. They were stripped of their freedom. They were stripped of their finances. They were stripped of their dignity in Acts chapter 16. But there was one thing that was not within the enemy's reach that night, and it was their faith. How was it that they were able to show their faith? How did they profess their faith to those that were lost around them? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang songs unto God. And the prisoners heard them, Acts 16.25. And so through this example of a powerful influence of songs and hymns and spiritual songs is seen a very important, a very central part of the Christian faith. And that is singing. How many souls have responded in obedience or repentance at the Bobby Branch congregation because they were motivated, they were encouraged, they were inspired by the singing of good songs? Not just at Bobby Branch, but all across the brotherhood, tens of thousands of people have responded to our Lord's call 
because they were motivated by the preaching. They were encouraged by the singing. And so while singing, our thoughts have been stirred to be more holy. More holiness give me. To be more evangelistic, send the light. To spend more time in study, give me the Bible. And to be more prayerful, sweet hour of prayer. To understand that God is with us. God bless you, go with God. To offer ourselves a living sacrifice. None of self and all of thee. And to bring ourselves to Christ, sinners Jesus will receive. These songs, hymns, spiritual songs stir us to action. And they tell the enemy whose side we're on. It was 1871. When a tragedy struck Chicago, as a fire just raced through that city. And when it was finally extinguished, the fire had taken over 300 lives. And over 100,000 found themselves homeless. A man by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford was one of those who tried to help the people in the city Get back on their feet. A very benevolent man, a very kind man, a Christian man. He was a Chicago lawyer who had invested heavily in the downtown area. He lost everything as a result of that fire. And more tragically, Spafford also suffered the loss of his only son just a year earlier. And so for two years, Spafford, he assisted the homeless. He helped the impoverished, the Greek-stricken, and others that had their lives just devastated, turned upside down, totally ruined by the fire. And after about two years of such work, Spafford and his family, they decided it's time for a vacation. They were to go to England to travel in Europe. But Horatio was delayed by some business, and he sent his family on ahead He would catch up to them on the other side of the Atlantic. But their ship never made it. After the devastating loss of a child, his only son, after the devastating loss of everything that he owned, and two years later he decides to send his family on vacation, sent them ahead of him, and their ship never made it off Newfoundland. It collided with an English sailing vessel. And the ship with his family on it sank within 20 minutes. Horatio's wife, Anna, was able to cling to a piece of floating wreckage. There were only 47 survivors among hundreds. Their four daughters, Maggie, Tanetta, Annie, and Bessie, they were killed. And Horatio sent a horrible telegram from his wife, received rather a horrible telegram from his wife that read, Saved Alone. Spafford boarded the next available ship to be near his grieving wife, and he asked the captain to please notify him when the ship passed near the spot where his daughters died. And it was at that moment in that place in the Atlantic where he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, 
Though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed His own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to His cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. Of course, there's more to that song, more to that story. But that's an illustration of how God can provide in the midst of tragedy. There have been tragic times in our lives. There's no doubt in my mind that a crowd this size, there's a broken heart on every pew. You've been through some tough times. You say, not me. I just had it pretty good. Keep breathing. Keep living. As a paramedic, and the chaplain for our county, tragedy has struck on more than one occasion. I'm the person that you don't want to see knocking on your door at 2 a.m. in the morning. In fact, the people are familiar with what I do there and have even answered the door and seen me standing there and said, Oh, no. They knew it was bad. A couple of years ago, I was talking to one of my friends. He was going through a terrible time. He said, Stephen, I'm just sitting here listening to the old rugged cross trying to decide what to do. Our God provides in the midst of tragedy powerful, powerful lyrics. A preacher by the name of Luther Bridges was born in 1884. He was married to Sarah. Three lovely sons were born. And Bridges, he accepted the invitation to go preach at a conference in Kentucky in 1910. So he left his family in the care of his father-in-law and he made the trip to Kentucky. And he enjoyed two wonderful weeks of, of preaching. The last service closed with great joy and he was excited to be able to, uh, to be called on the telephone. He couldn't wait to tell his wife about the blessings and the great things that the Lord had done. But it wasn't her voice on the other end of the line. He listened in silence to the news that a fire had burned down the house of his father-in-law. His wife and all three of his sons died in the fire. This father didn't know what else to do but to express his emotions in the form of a song. And here's what he wrote. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I'm with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife, discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering cords again, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath His sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face. That is why I shout and Sing. That's why I shout and sing. Though sometimes He leads through deep waters. Trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path rough and steep. See His footprints all the way. Soon He's coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. 
I shall be with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. There are times in our lives when bad things happen. It's like there's these bombs that are being dropped in our lives. And James reminds us that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Not everything that happens in our life is a good and perfect gift. But we can either focus on all these emotional bombs that are being dropped and kind of get caught up, caught up and caught away with them, or we can evaluate and see that our God is also dropping and parachuting down some good and perfect gifts. Luther Ridges focused on those gifts. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. The occasion of writing for certain spiritual songs helps me to understand kind of the background of the writer, where they're coming from. You know, when you understand that the writer of face-to-face with Christ my Savior, face-to-face what will it be? When with rapture I behold Him, Jesus Christ who died for me, face-to-face in all His glory, I shall see Him by and by. When you understand that the writer of that song was blind and that she was writing about the very first thing that she will ever see is Jesus Christ, it takes on a totally different meaning to us. I'm thankful for people that have used their talents to write scriptural songs. Tillett S. Tedley, faithful member of the Lord's Church. W.D. Jeffcoat, Aaron W. Dykus, Benny Davis. All of these men, they've contributed greatly to our songs. They have written powerful lyrics, but do we put the power in them as we sing? Soldiers of Christ, arise. Put your armor on. Should be sung as an army general that's rousing and preparing the Lord's army to continue doing battle with the evil one. But instead, we get the songbook out, and if we sing, some of us sing the song as if the battles are over and we've already lost the war. Soldiers of Christ, arise! Put your armor on. There's an evil one that wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your life. But you be strong in the strength which God supplies. The fight is on. We're active. We're alive in this spiritual battle. Brother Tiddles Tedley one night was watching his Precious wife, die. And he wrote these, these words. Hear me when I call. Oh God, my righteousness. Unto thee I come in weakness and distress. Hold my trembling hand. I suppose maybe his wife wasn't able to. Lest helpless I should fall. Oh, hear me. Lord, hear me. Oh, hear me when I call. Can you hear the pleading? Can you hear the begging for the Lord's help? He left the splendor of heaven knowing His destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha there to lay down His life for me. If that isn't love, The ocean is dry.
There's no stars in the sky and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. There's no feeling like this if that isn't love. And then a verse of how great thou art that we skip over about 70% of the time. It's one of my favorite lyrics in our songbook. But when I think that God His Son not sparing sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. When in the better land, before the bar you stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be if any lost one there should cry in deep despair, you never mention Him to me. You never mention Him to me. You helped me not the light to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray, yet never mentioned Him to me. That song will keep you up at night. Did you hear about the story where the man died? And he was in torment going from person to person. That's not him. He'd go to another one. Not him. Not him. So I said, who are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for that Christian that lived next door that never mentioned Jesus Christ to me. I know he's here. Powerful lyrics. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Because souls respond to the message of the gospel, generally through the singing of spiritual songs, how important is it for the church to have competent, willing, trained, uh, capable, enthusiastic song directors who put the power in the lyrics that we sing? Oh, it's very important. It's extremely important. How important is it for members of the Lord's body to take out that songbook, to open it up to the page that we're singing, and sing those songs with all of their hearts? We need a wake-up call. One of the things that bothers me, not a, not a lot bothers me while I'm preaching, sometimes people fall asleep. That's a vote of confidence. you know. Uh, I understand that. I, I got off shift this morning, 7 o'clock. I worked last night. Yesterday on the ambulance, I, I understand. Uh, tired. Sometimes people clean out their purses. That's good, I guess. Uh, used to, people would discipline their children in worship. We don't see a lot of that too much anymore. Uh, sometimes we pass notes or maybe uh, send a text message or something. Some people fans getting hot. It's hot in here. A lot of those things don't bother me. There's something that bothers me. A Christian not singing. Oh, it bothers me. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. 
I really don't understand a Christian not singing. Now, we'll preach against tithing. Rightly so. But do you give, you know? We'll preach against instrumental music, and rightly so. But do you sing? It's just as wrong to have a piano up here as it not to sing. New Testament Christianity. Purposeful lyrics. Not only, excuse me, powerful lyrics. Not only powerful lyrics, but purposeful hearts. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, He said, God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, John 4, 24. And then in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which is in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he was come and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. We're not wandering around in this world, you know, uh, aimlessly and, and, and blindly and pointlessly. Christ came on a mission. And that mission was to seek and to save the lost. And so do we. We're on a mission. We have a mission. It's the Great Commission. We have a purpose for being here. Just think with me for just a minute. You, you've worked really hard uh, at inviting your co-workers and your friends to worship. You know, the statistics say if you invite a hundred people, four will come. And out of that four, maybe one will become a Christian. And my question's always been, are you willing to invite the hundred to get to the one? But you've been working real hard, been inviting people, and been kind of talking up this uh, summer series or this vacation Bible school or gospel meeting that's coming. Real excited about it, and you're out here and you're, you're, you're talking to all these people and and a visitor kind of comes in the door, a potential convert who, who's met by a preacher that didn't care if the world turned or not. And the members were too lazy to get up and introduce themselves to this potential Christian. And, and the worship service was met by, met by a flippant song leader who wasn't concerned that he was leading others in worship. He kind of, he'd sing a song and he'd say, y'all give me a minute now, let me see. I know it's, I know it's in here. Uh, what was that song you wanted, Betty? Betty, uh, where you at, Betty? Betty, what was that, what was that request? Well, uh, 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 number, uh, I don't know. Let's just we'll sing this one. We'll try this one instead, and we'll see how it goes. If it don't do, y'all just take it off. If it don't, and he kind of picked out his songs as he went through, and, and quite frankly, he wasn't too concerned about leading the congregation in worship either. He he set a world record by leading "Victory in Jesus," the slowest that it's ever been sung in the history of the churches of Christ. "Victory in Jesus." What do these attitudes tell this precious soul who's visiting the Lord's church? Please become a member of this church and join our misery. We're just as miserable as can be. We're depressed, down and out. We don't have nothing to be excited about. We just, hey, we just laid back. I'm sure throughout the course of that worship they sing Seeking the Lost as well. And, and maybe even sung Lead Me to Some Soul Today. When will we understand and allow it to kind of sink into the depths of our hearts, into our souls, that it is just as wrong to tell a lie as it is to sing a lie?
Don't be surprised when people are not converting. Don't be surprised when people are not becoming Christians in that church. We sang tonight, Come ye that love the Lord. Let our hearts be known. Did you catch the second verse? Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. We have something to sing about. Maybe we don't sing because we don't know God. If Christians aren't excited and enthusiastic, then who else in the world has the right to be? You know, we have life. We have a Savior. We have forgiveness. We have help. We have hope. We have something to be excited about. Because we're on the Lord's side. We're on the winning team. Yet oftentimes we're not. We scratch our heads and we wonder why the church isn't growing. And You know, it's not the case that we're ignorant concerning the Scriptures. It's not the case that we're unfamiliar with the commands. The case is oftentimes we just don't care. We need an attitude adjustment. In Colossians 3.16, He'll give it to us. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we don't sing as enthusiastically as we should because the Word isn't in us as much as it should be. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The powerful lyrics are there. The purposeful hearts are there. And now positive changes. I think I've attended and visited enough congregations to speak regarding positive changes, regarding singing in the Lord's church. Now, our government and those on the left wing, they've, they've made change a bad word. It's, it's almost like a curse word. But not all change is bad, not all change is good. But let me ask you a question. Do we in the churches of Christ have room for improvement for more enthusiasm? Especially with regard to our singing, you better believe it. You better believe it. If you're fervent in spirit, as Romans 12:11 commands, then the enthusiastic singing will come. <clears throat> Sometimes we say, "Well, you know, sing it like you mean it." No, <laughs> just just mean it, and the singing will come. If you mean it, then the singing will come. Do you believe that our God is alive? Did something happen? Is He sick? Is He on His last leg? Or is He alive and well? Number 523 in your songbook. Number 523. Our God is alive. If I could... If I could stand up on top of the earth and I could pick a song out of this songbook that I could, I'd, I'd want to lead to the world or sing to the world, it'd be number 523. The world needs to know that our God is alive. Let's stand together. If you mean it, the singing will come. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. It's in its God.
eyes with heavenly hue and frame the worlds with His great might. There is, there is a God, He is alive, in Him we live, and we survive from the star God, created man, He is our Son upon a tree, our life was willing there to give, that he from sin might set man free, and evermore with him could live. There is a God, he is alive, in him we live, and we survive from the star God. Created man, he is our God, the great I am. Please be seated. Apathy has no place in our Lord's church. We're not apathetic about the fact that our God lives. We're excited about it. That there's a God that's available, that's relatable, that's always available, that never forsakes us, never leaves us. And so if we mean it, then the singing will come. Maybe we need to convince members of the Lord's church that there is a God. Maybe as a preacher I need to do a better job of convincing those that listen that there truly is victory in Jesus. Maybe we need to convince ourselves that heaven really will be worth it all. Maybe the problem is we just don't believe the words of the song. But preacher, I don't like to sing. I got a question for you. Jesus really didn't like them nails going through his body either. Jesus really didn't like getting beat to a pulp. Jesus really didn't like being embarrassed and humiliated. But yet he was scoffed, he was mocked, he was scourged, he was beat to a pulp, he was spit on. And when they got through playing cat and mouse, they killed him. He's asking us to sing. He's not asking too much. I don't like to sing. Are we sure we want to go to heaven? Are we sure that's going to be the place for us? I don't mean to be disrespectful. But are we sure that's going to be the home of the soul? Where we'll rest eternally? I want to ask the elders. I'm not familiar with the church. When was the last time you had a young men's training class? That's where I learned how to lead singing. And August the 2nd, 1995, I walked down the aisle. They were singing nothing but the blood of Jesus. I believed it. I was baptized for the remission of my sins. It doesn't seem like it was very long at all where the church hosted a leadership class, and I'm grateful for their vision. Next thing you know, the young men in that class, we were waiting on the Lord's table. We were leading prayers. You see, that church, they did not subscribe to this idea that young people were the future of the church. 
They believed that young people were the present. They believed they, they empowered them by believing that they were the church. And that if the church was going to continue generations from now, we better train them up. I'm telling you, in the churches of Christ, we have a shortage of preachers. We've got a shortage of song leaders. We spend a lot of time training preachers, a lot of money. I've got some time invested. Tony's got some time invested. Let's invest a little time in our young men to help them lead singing at an early age. You know, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world to stand before, I don't know how many people here, 3,000 looks like. You know, lead a song. We've got to, we've got to teach them to become comfortable doing the uncomfortable. I think that's what Jesus did. Positive changes should be brought about in our Lord's church because, quite frankly, we have something to sing about. May we arise in chorus and with all of our hearts sing, Give me the Bible. We need elected leaders. We need church leaders. We need preachers. We need members of the Lord's body that love the Bible. May we arise and in chorus sing, give me the Bible. May we arise and in chorus sing, have thine own way. May we arise and in chorus sing with all of our hearts, our God, He is alive. May we arise and in chorus sing, mighty is our God, mighty is our King, mighty is our Lord. He's the ruler of everything. As I sing these songs and understand the background with which these writers faced, I think their lives are much like ours. I really do. I think they just were living and going along and they kind of had everything planned out and then boom, something happened, changed course, something totally out of the blue, something they were not expecting. It turned their lives upside down. I think that in trying to relate, I think it's much like planning a, a vacation trip to Italy. You're all excited about it, and you go out and buy the guidebooks, you learn the language, you're familiar with the food. That's very important. Before I go on a mission trip, I've got to know about the food. You know, I made a mistake, went to India, didn't check out the food, lost 16 pounds. Come home, my wife didn't hardly recognize me. They said, well, why would you lose all that? I said, I ate a truckload of rice while I was over. There's nothing else over there but that and unripe bananas if you like those. You go out and you buy all the guidebooks. You pack your clothes according to the climate over there in Italy. You're excited. <laughs> Got it all planned out. You pack your bags, off you go. You're on the airplane, you're flying just before you land. The stewardess comes over the PA system. And she says, Welcome to Holland. <laughs> Holland? Are you kidding me? When I got off the plane in Newark, New Jersey, after coming back from India with Billy Bland, the guy at the security gate was Indian. And I asked Brother Bland, did we get on the wrong plane? <laughs> Welcome to Holland. 
I didn't plan to go to Holland. I wanted to go to Italy. I bought guidebooks for Italy. I learned about Italian food. I had the list of sites I wanted to see in Italy, not Holland. And so you got to go out and buy new guidebooks, buy new clothes. Ladies excited about that. You learn about the food, the culture. You learn about the windmills and you get you another list of things to see. The good news is we haven't gone to a bad place uh, that's full of pestilence and disease and famine. We've just gone to a different place. And so you make the best of it. My friends, listen carefully. This is life. Oftentimes we cannot control it. We got it all planned out and we're excited. We want to go to Italy and something happens to us. Cancer, a death, a crash, a car crash. Unexpected surgery. And your plane lands, your plane lands in Holland. There you must stay and make the best of it. There's a lot about life we cannot control. But just like those that wrote these powerful lyrics, we can control our attitudes toward it. That's what we can control. Her name was Elaine Roberts. She was married to a preacher in a very prominent denomination for 39 years. He became a Christian. She was scared to death of water. She wrestled with the idea of baptism for months. Finally, one day she asked to talk to me. She came in my office. She and her husband, Mike, we sat down and we talked. She said, I almost drowned when I was three years old. I've been scared of water ever since. I don't know that I'm going to be able to be baptized. We talked about it. We prayed about it. A couple days later, she came back wanting to meet with me again. She said, Stephen, I've been praying about it. I've been studying. She said, if this is what Jesus Christ wants me to do, then I'm going to have to do it. It took about 45 minutes to get that lady baptized. After she come back up a few minutes, she was most probably the most happy, excited, crying, uh, just woman I think I've ever baptized in my life. She said, I prayed on the way down here. You just grabbed me and throw me under the water. And that's pretty much what I did. After 45 minutes, I just grabbed a hold of her and put the old elbow on her. Thirteen days later, she died. She and her husband were planning to go to the Memphis School of Preaching. This was in December. They were planning to go to the Memphis School of Preaching in January. You see, they had planned to go to Italy. Their plane landed in Holland. This is life. If you're not a Christian tonight, listen to me. Make a decision. Jesus Christ was the master at getting people to make a decision to follow Him. Become committed. You know what the book says? I'm not going to come out there and get you. 
And the Holy Spirit's not going to directly operate on you and, and drag you down here. Somebody tonight is going to have to take the first step. Somebody tonight is going to have to lead the way. Somebody tonight needs to give their children the best gift and become a Christian on Father's Day. Somebody tonight has separated themselves from Christ. And they've tried to sweep the sins under the rug, but it's not working for them. They're carrying a heavy load. Listen to me. We value authentic over fake. We want you to be real, not fake. We value personal over professional. This is a family, not a corporation. We're here to help each other. We're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to look down on you. We're not going to whisper when you step out of that aisle. And if we do, we'll just come on down here with you. And if you need to come to Christ, come to Jesus. Don't just sing the songs. You come to Jesus. Who will lead the way while we stand and sing?